From the Brooklyn Paper Building in beautiful downtown Brooklyn, it's America's downtown. This is Brooklyn Paper Radio. I'm your host, Vince DiMaselli, here with me today. And looks like into the future for a little, little bit there. Tony, Very exciting. Tony Rotuno, who Hello, is my, my deputy editor. Uh, obviously, Johnny is behind the uh, board there. That's right. I think that's why we're, we're nine minutes late. Nine, <laughs> no, 11 minutes. 11 minutes late. It's my fault. Yep. I'll take responsibility. But, but still here. As well you should. Well you should. We got a, a lot to talk about. Big, big, big show. But you know, we always start the show with me talking about what my wife did this weekend. And I've heard this story, but I will just preface it by saying I can't wait to hear it again. <laughs> you know what happened, Johnny? I don't. Let me tell you what happened. My wife likes to throw birthday parties. That's she, nice. She likes to throw parties in general. She's a party planning person. So for the last month. She has been planning my son's 11th birthday, which actually was on January 19th. January 19th was his birthday, but we needed extra time, you know, because after Christmas, you really don't have that much time. January 19th happens quickly yeah, after Christmas. Yeah, it's right there. You're getting ready for Christmas. The tree might not even be down. You're getting ready January for... January 19th. Let me tell you something. There have been birthday parties in February, because my birthday is February 4th, right. by the way. Fe- February 4th was my birthday. Happy belated birthday. Thank oh, you. yeah. Well, uh, Thank you. Thank you. Happy and, birthday. And what happened was, you know, we've had situations where the tree was still up when we've had birthday parties in our house, which is kind of embarrassing. It's a, it a depends fe- if you like the a, tree or not. A February Christmas tree is kind of embarrassing. One year we had it up because we, we had just, it was like the first year we had a tree, and my wife was so proud of it, and her parents were coming over or something. She wanted it to still be there. So we did that. We, we kept that in. And then, uh, but this year... She was planning the big party. It was a Hamilton themed oh. party. You know Very about intelligent this? people. You know I about think this? That's my birthday was like you know Star Wars or something. No, Hamilton. we've done that. Yeah. No, Star Wars was was uh, I think uh, was fourth grade. Mm. No, wait, third grade. Star Wars was Kid third grade. Stuff. Star Wars third grade. Fourth grade was uh, last year was a science theme. Power Ooh. Rangers ever much? No, no. Um, before that, we had Harry Potter. Kid of Capricorn. Classic. Capricorn? I have no idea, Johnny. January nineteenth. I, no, I don't follow that stuff. Uh, yeah, me either. But it sounds like a Capricorn. Long story endless. The planning went in. The cooking, the baking, all that stuff. I had to make up playbills, Hamilton playbills. <laughs> nice. Right, Could we, have been taken from the theater itself. They were that exact. I don't want to get into any copyright problems here. Is that okay? I'm not sure. I don't know what the rules are. Adam, Adam Lucenti is also here, by the way. Adam Lucenti. Hey, how are you? Adam is our—he's our Marine Park reporter. We're gonna—we're gonna talk to him in a minute, but you can chime in at any time. Okay. Okay, I'm just letting you know if Thank there's you. anything you want to say here on Brooklyn Paper Radio from downtown Brooklyn. Brought to you by our good friends at the Atlantic Bagel Company, the best bagels this side of the Atlantic. But I, no bagel holes, though. I think we need to get some in here because I have yet to try an Atlantic bagel. Yeah, maybe next week. And I'll endorse it. But when I'm on vacation, I'll bring some in. You going to be on vacation made next with week? Brooklyn. I'm out next week. Made with water from Brooklyn. Yes. Are you leaving Tony and I to host the show? I'm going to finish my story right. about the birthday party. We'll get back into that later. Let's let last week happen next week. Okay. So the party, my wife tries to get some people to come down and put on a show. And this took a long time to get it all together. But sure enough, she had a friend at school who's on the PTA who has a friend who teaches uh, drama classes, who has a friend that runs the drama classes at Curtis High School on Staten Island. Because as you know, despite the fact I'm a broken paper writer, I live on Staten Island. We forgive you. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. And uh, so she brings over these kids from Curtis High School 
And these kids are phenomenal. And they did like seven songs from Hamilton. And you would think these 10 and 11-year-olds would be like, I thought maybe three songs in, they were going to be pulling their hair out. <laughs> but they were, they were just riveted, riveted. And then after the show, we allowed them to sign their autographs, and they came screaming out. It was like the Beatles had <laughs> showed up in the 60s. you remember the Beatles? I, I think so. I don't know what the kids today like. I think they like the Fresh Beat Band. I think the kids today... No? no? What are they like, Adam? Bieber. What is that? They like Justin Hamilton. Bieber. Oh, Bieber. Bieber. Bieber, they run after... Yeah, they, they pull his hair out and stuff. All right, well, it's a good thing. Sounds the like Beatles a good party. to the Bieber. That's right. Is, is where our country went. That's how it goes. So it was a really big party. It was a really great time. Uh, you could see it all on Facebook if you're friends with my wife. <laughs> right? You can see it all on Facebook. And I'm about to friend her because, you know... I have a birthday party coming up, and let me tell you something. I also like Hamilton. I think this is big business. I think I've this is big before. business. I think my wife can go into business as a party planner for kids' parties, whatever. She could probably do weddings. She could do it all. Anything with a theme, you know? She likes to do things with themes. Even like at Christmas, when you get your Christmas presents from my wife, there's themes to it. Like, you, you'll get a bag. Oh, the gifts are themed. Yeah, and the bag is, is like a themed bag, and then everything in the bag is, is all a part of that theme. I love a good theme. Right? I mean, it tells a story. Well, she's a writer. And, and editor. A good writer. Damn good. A good editor. Yeah. I've still wanted to try um, Salt Brick Tavern since we published her review a couple of weeks ago. She did do a review of Salt Brick Tavern here in the Brooklyn paper. It, and it was mouthwatering. The review, which leads me to believe the food is as well. The restaurant was very good. We enjoyed that. Went by. I would. I, I got to do a tasting. Nice. It's just part of the perks of being the editor. There you go. You know, you got the chief and the deputy. It's one of one of the perks of of being. It's of a being hard job, but sometimes it has its rewards. So you can find it on Facebook. And then uh, today, I turned on the Twitter for the first time in a while. I used to have this I, like tweet deck thing going. I think you scared some of the reporters with your tweeting today. <laughs> Well, it's it's you know what it scares me. It's a little sc- the tweet deck is very scary. First of all, when you're me and you have a high definition attention deficit disorder, which is just like regular attention deficit disorder, only it's much clearer. Yeah, right. HD ADHD. Is yeah, HD ADHD is what H-D-T-V. I got. HD TV. So the fact of the matter is, I'm watching the Twitter and I'm trying to do my job, and it's like impossible because something comes up every, you know. Half a second. Sometimes three or four things pop up. I don't know how the kids listening to Justin Bieber these days keep up with that. Oh, that was feeds. funny. We had our we had our meeting last week. You were there, Tony, and you know the I have we have young reporters here at Brooklyn Paper, right? Yeah, they're young reporters. They, they come in and they're, they're Fresh, starting eager eyed. They're starting out in the industry, and when they come in, they have these phones attached to their hands, and the phones do not leave their hands. They're like attached. It's almost like it's like a magnetic it's an extension of their limb. Exactly. You can't get rid of it. So we're at the meeting this week, and sure enough, I tell the uh, I tell them, look, guys, put down your phones. Just put them down. And it was very difficult for them to do. And then I said, all right, turn them over. And then finally they turn them over. And within five minutes, Julianne McShane grabbed her phone. Could have been like, I think it was within like a minute. It was within five. Well, I didn't, At least, five, yeah, you're being generous, For them, it probably felt like an hour and a an half. Hour. No, it's true. I mean, you, 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 and I will say... As a reporter and an editor, you want to constantly be checking. I mean, the news never stops, but it is kind of wild. I mean, and I myself fall into the trap of just holding on to that device like it's, you know. I told you I put mine in black and white. 
Yeah, screen. I tried that. Yeah, it, it, then I shut it uh, until I needed to see you something see, in color. You have to see color sometimes yeah. to make it work. Is that better for the battery, black and white? So, Adam, do you have a uh, do you have a problem with the phone? You're a, you're a youngster. I mean, with me, I used to say that I'm on my phone all the time because I'm a journalist. Mm-hmm. But if I'm being honest. I'm a journalist because I'm on my phone all the time, and it gives me license to do that. You see how he did that? You see how he flipped that? It was yeah. nice. Mm-hmm. That was an eloquent excuse. It's yeah. good way. It's a good way to do it. Right now, so. Adam, for those of you who don't know, before he started here, spent spent time over in the Middle East, in Jordan, and in Iraq, Iraq, Lebanon, yeah, and Lebanon, as he just said, um, reporting for various news outlets. And I'm curious: are, are is this dependency on the phone? as prevalent over there? Are people walking down the street looking at their phones? Or Oh, yeah, absolutely. They are. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And in more ways than we have, because, for example, in Jordan, it's so expensive to make phone calls. Mm-hmm. So they start using WhatsApp. And then the government says, oh, now you can't use WhatsApp on your data. You have to sw- and so they everyone downloads Viber, starts using that. And it keeps going on. It's always on. one step. They're always trying to be one step ahead. Right. Always one step ahead. Trying to save money. That's what the capitalist society tries to do, right? Right. Save money, make money. Right? Right. That's exactly. what happens. Yeah. How's the uh, reception over there? Oh, uh, decent. Yeah. Lebanon, no. Three really? Three G is about as fast as it gets in Lebanon. Lebanon, not so. And I would think Lebanon would be okay. No. No. How about Beirut? No. Bad. It seems like the civil war ended in the '90s, and part of the agreement for the hostilities ending was let's keep all the technology exactly how it is, how it is, and stop fighting. Can they listen That's to? The joke. Can they listen to the radio? Yeah. Okay. They have radio stations. Yeah. But they don't have but Maybe not yeah. podcasts. But Jordan, arguably more wired than the U.S. Really? Oh, wow. Super fast internet all over the place, yeah. In Amman. Other cities, not so much. Jordan. But in the capital, yeah. And where's, Super where, where's Jordan in the Middle East? Where's it in the... Uh... East of Israel. Okay, east of Israel. You have the Jordan River where Jesus got baptized. Heard of that. Mm, right. Heard about that. And that's a true story, right? I've Is seen it? the site. In okay. some There's book. a river there. They, about somebody some wrote book. about it, right? Yeah. Somebody wrote about I it. I can't remember who. It's in a couple of different languages. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. And in the drawers of hotels. Yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, every time I'm in the Middle East, that I open I open the dresser drawer to try to find the Bible, and it's never there. Oh, really? interesting. It's like muscle memory. I'm just like, oh, let's see where the Bible is. Of course it's not there. You're just looking for the Bible just to see, make just sure to, it's there, and it turns out it's not there. Just to make sure there. it's there for, like, comfort. And, yeah. Even in an never American owned Does that comfort you to have a Bible in, the, in, the, in a hotel room? No, it's just it's like a reminder I'm in a hotel. You know, you got, like, the little soap that you take, little shampoos, uh-huh. and you have the Bible. You oh, take man. the soap when you leave, then? I do, yeah. A lot of people do. A lot of people do. And yeah, when I, I say I a lot of people, I mean my wife. Yeah. <laughs> I've never had to buy soap ever. Like my entire, I've been married well, for fifteen nice, years. Yeah. Never nice. had to. I say to my wife, "Can I get another bar of soap?" And it, you know, it's just Delano. <laughs> well, it's also like you use it once and then they throw it away. Yeah, so why sure. not, you know, reuse and recycle? Reuse, recycle, re-soap. Re-soap. re soap, re lather. I don't even. Know. I don't know what that means. All right. Well, wait, but there is a reason Adam's joining us today, isn't yep. there? Other than to talk about so cellular service in the Middle I, East. Well, the reason why Adam is here is because last week Adam broke. He broke the internet. Whoa! I remember that day. He broke the internet because our story, Adam's story, about what became known as the Marine Park monstrosity, the biggest story on our our sister publication, the uh, Brooklyn Daily website. In a very, very, very long time. Might have something to do with the yeah, Facebook. Hell yeah. Might have something to do with the Facebook. They changed. Or your tweeting, the tweet. I learned more about the Facebook too. Yeah. They changed. A lo- they changed the way the Facebook does things. Right. 
and uh, it kind of picked us up a lot. But but posted in many groups. Too. So what happened out in Marine Park, which is you know a neighborhood in Southern Brooklyn for for our Brooklyn paper listeners that like to find out that there are other parts of Brooklyn there besides are other parts besides yeah. America's downtown besides Bushwick. Right? What's up, Bushwick? Yeah. You go shout I out? I watched that movie this weekend. Bushwick. You watched the Bushwick movie? I did. It's on Netflix We now. had the guys on the show. I know. I know. Before my time yeah. um, with the uh, now-retired Gersh Kuntzman. Um, it was an interesting movie. I didn't, I didn't hate it. The funny thing about that movie was they tried to do it in one shot. It seems like one shot. The whole movie. Yes. It's like they, there's no break. Yeah, it's a continuous. It going, which is an interesting concept. I just wish the acting was a little bit better. The acting, it seemed maybe, you know, they had one or two read-throughs. My biggest problem with the movie, I was telling the newsroom, and call me a purist, but I don't like New York movies, Brooklyn movies, you know, that are set in a certain neighborhood, but they open in a subway station that you know is nowhere in it's that, not neighborhood. that neighborhood. Yes, that happens a lot. So, you know, this one opened in the Church Avenue F and G station, which is all the way down in Kensington, um, and and an L train passed through, and and a Brooklynite is going to know that's, right yeah, away. That's not right. It's ruined. It's not. This right. is in Brooklyn. Yeah, I hate when that happens. But other than that, I thought it was an, my, a novel. Story. My last editor, my last deputy editor before you, Ruth Brown, the legendary, the legendary, Ruth, 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 the truth, Brown, Ruth Brown, would she would always like point that stuff out about, and and I think even Leah, the production uh, art. Oh, director, I. I bet she pointed out would point out to me. Yeah, I'm watching like uh, like girls or something like that, and they say they're in one neighborhood when they're they're certainly they're not. certainly. Yeah. My favorite example of that was the was the remake of Godzilla, mm. in um in it was in the 90s I think it had Matthew Broderick in it, and they're they're like they're in Central Park or something like that, and they're like, well, where can he go from here? What's a tall structure near Central Park? And they all look at each other and go. The Brooklyn Bridge. Oh, no, no. <laughs> and you're like, no. Nope. Yeah, no. There are a few taller structures before the Brooklyn Bridge that come to mind. Yeah. From that part in Manhattan, on and that I, distant isle. And I expect better from Matthew Broderick. You know. Uh, yeah, I would expect better too. You know, from Ferris. You guys know that Ferris. Yeah, Ferris. 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 Oh, yeah. very good. I got. We got a day off that he took. We got a. We got a. We got a reference to. So listen, a lot of stuff actually happens out in Marine Park. No, I know it. You'd be surprised to know this. There's a lot of stuff, and there are people out in Marine Park that care about Marine Park. So for our listeners who don't know what Marine Park is, it is not just the largest park in Brooklyn, because Marine Park, Marine Park, the park run by the Parks Department, is in fact the largest park in Brooklyn. And it's out there in southern Brooklyn, off the Belt Parkway, off of uh, Flatbush Avenue, way out there. Marine Park, the neighborhood, is uh, basically just a small little neighborhood. It's uh, between Kings Highway and Avenue U and Flatbush Avenue. And, uh, and pretty much north and east of the park. Yeah, Gar- yeah, and, uh, yeah, absolutely. So I don't know anything about north or east, though, because we're in Brooklyn. Right, and, and in Brooklyn, directions don't really matter. They, yeah, here. directionals like that don't really. Are those called? What are they called? Ordinals? Are they ordinals? I don't know. Is that the right word? Do you want me to Google that? No. All right. So <laughs> it's not the right word. It maybe it is, but it's out there near Mill Basin. The fact that I'm it's off Flatbush Avenue and off Garrison Avenue. There's Garrison Beach out there. Are we near also. Canarsie. It's kind of near Canarsie, okay. Johnny. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Borders Canarsie. Kind of near mm. Canarsie. Kind of out there, and this neighborhood is known. For having many small 
one and two family houses. It's a it's you quaint. Know, it's you would call it quaint. It's a salt of the earth neighborhood. They like to call it. It's an old school Brooklyn neighborhood with lots of cops and firemen and mailmen and teachers and you know blue collar city workers stuff like that. Honest they're, folk. They're out there. Good folk. And something's going on in that neighborhood. Something is attacking that neighborhood, if you will. And I'm going to have Adam Lucente, as we say in Italian, Lucente. tell us a little bit about it. Why don't you tell us a little bit about it, Adam? What's happening in Marine Park, like you said, it's a lot of one- and two-family homes. It's very quaint. The houses are close together, but it has a suburban feel. Maybe not like out in Nassau on the island or Westchester, but as far as Brooklyn goes, it definitely has a very suburban look. So there's like wait, there's like front lawns and there stuff. There are front lawns. That's yeah. incredible. Backyards, yeah, fences. That's incredible. I, you know, when I was in Bensonhurst growing up, at my grandmother's house, my family used to just drop me off there and leave me because they, they said I was an adopted child. They didn't want me at the at the homestead <laughs> on Staten Island, so they would drop me off there. And there were no there were no lawns in Bensonhurst where, oh, where wow. we were. No, there were no lawns. No there was lawns. no grass. There was none of that stuff. But out in Marine Park, there are lawns. Go absolutely, yeah. And part of the reason it's been it's kept its kind of suburban esque look is that there's no subway stop really servicing Marine Park. No, no, there's no subway stop at all. The closest one would probably be Flatbush Kings Avenue, Kings Highway, Kings Highway, Flatbush Avenue, the junction as they call it. Right. Take the bus to the junction, conjunction, junction. What's your function? Keep going. What else happened? So, in the last few years, there's been efforts, of course, like in other parts of Brooklyn, to develop parts of Marine Park by adding multifamily homes and more businesses. Ooh, okay. And right now, there are there are several multi-story structures in Marine Park. Some are businesses. But as homes, there are two in particular that people are very livid about. One is on Avenue T on the corner of Hendrickson Street, so Avenue T between Hendrickson and Avenue U. Mm-hmm. And the other that T we and wrote, you. T and you. The other one that we wrote about that broke the internet was, is on Kimball Street, which is right near the park, and that's between Avenues U and T. And this is a six-family monstrosity, as we called it, that was built smack dab between two, one to two family homes mm-hmm. wow. on Kimball Street, which is, again, a mostly residential, totally residential area. Totally residential. Mm-hmm. Now, i got to ask you the tough questions, Adam, because oh, we're going to give a call to um, to Jerry Minsky, who's a... Uh, he's a, a broker? He's a broker at Douglas... A, I forgot Elliman. Elliman. Thank you. Elliman. Douglas Elliman Realty. we got to give him a buzz, actually. Got to get him on the horn. He's going to tell us a little bit more about Marine Park and what the values are like of the houses and what's actually going on there. But how did this thing get built? It seems like the zoning out there wouldn't allow it. What happened, Adam? What happened here was it, the property was bought by New York Kimball Corp. We weren't able to Oh, reach that's them. one of those LLCs. I know all about those. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We weren't able to reach them. And the Well, build- that's, that's the way it's designed, by right. design. By design. Yeah. But we tried. And the buildings department allowed them to knock down the single-family unit, which is what it was owned for a single family, and it was a single family unit, mm-hmm. and build a six-family residential apartment building. Wow. This is on a lot zoned for a single family home. It is. They, uh, yeah, then the, these lots are probably what, like like 30 by, 30 by 100, 30 by 75, something like that. That's what I'm guessing. Maybe 30 by 75. Staten Island typical lot is, is uh, 40, by, uh, 40, by, 40 by 100, 40 by something like that. You get a ruler. A little bit bigger out there. A little a bit bigger. Lot. Could be a little bit bigger. These are a little bit closer together. But a lot of them, they have like the shared driveways. Mm. Shared? I'm not sure. Not sure. Some are private driveways. Some are private. Some are private are shared. shared. I'm not sure. Stuff like that. But it's a marine park. All right. So this house gets constructed, and what happens to the neighbors? What do they say? Well, the neighbors were under, 
understandably very angry about it. Basically, during the building, for some reason, there wasn't, as far as I knew, and I've only been here a few months, there wasn't a ton of chatter, but once the construction veil came down, you know, all of a sudden there was this big brick building with uh, gas meters in front of it. It's visibly... And a lot of gas meters, It's too. a very ugly building, if anyone, right. you know, listening now hasn't gone Johnny, put to... up the picture of the building, please. Oh, all right, sir. Yeah. Thank you. Go to Brooklyn Paper, uh, Brooklyn Daily. You'll see it. You can't miss it. It it is. It's kind of like a giant pimple. It looks horrible. There it is. It looks there it horrible. Is. Oh, look at that. There's no front door. The doors are on the side. It's very clearly. It looks kind of like an army barracks, I and mean, it's very clearly not in keeping with the traditional aesthetics of Marine Park. And it's taller than the buildings that are next. It to is them. taller. Yeah. Yeah. It actually, looks like a building in Forest Hills, but you know. Whatever. Well, that's there, what we. That's what we don't want. All right. Listen, we got to call Jerry. Let's get him on get the him line. on the phone. So you're going to do that, Johnny. While you're doing that, I just wanted to point out that the, your first quote in this story, which I found very interesting, the people in Marine Park are concerned about this because they've seen overdevelopment in in nearby neighborhoods. Exactly is, right. And one of the things that they don't want this to happen, I think it was a very interesting quote, was they don't want Marine Park to become Sheepshead Bay. Sheepshead Bay. It's crazy. Is there anything wrong with Sheepshead Bay? No, but it looks very different from Marine Park. Hello? Hey, is this Jerry Minsky? This is Jerry Minsky. Hey, Jerry, how you doing? This is Vince DiMaselli. I'm the editor over at Brooklyn Daily and Brooklyn Paper. And, uh, how are you? I want to thank you for coming on Brooklyn Paper Radio to talk to us about this Marine Park monstrosity that was on the cover <laughs> of the Mill Marine Courier last week and almost broke the Internet when we broke the story online. And you're joined here. This is Vince, and we have Tony Rotuno, who's my deputy editor. Nice to meet you, Jerry. Okay. And we have Adam Lucenti, who you know, who's our reporter, who found out about this. I'm one of Adam's biggest fans. There you go. Thank you. So now, you work for uh, Douglas Elliman? Echoes, but I'm in a loud real estate office, so I hope my voice isn't ricocheting. I'm in a cubicle right now. Oh, you're in the cubicle. Are we on speaker? Um, You're not on speaker, but I'm in an open-style loft office. In uh, downtown Brooklyn, so I went into a little room. Wait, you're in downtown Brooklyn? Yes. You should come into the studio. You should have just came into the studio. We would have had you right in the studio. Well, Adam, Adam knows where I work. <laughs> <laughs> See, now I had I was believing he was out there in in yeah. southern Brooklyn, as we like to call it. No, well, no hold up in a loft space I, in Marine Park. Next time, I'll I'll make sure of that. Adam will will we'll give you the scoop. I'm a homeowner in in Marine Park now, and uh, I sold a building that I had here for 30 years. But um, that's for another story or another time. I know you wanted to talk about the um, monstrosity. Yes. And uh, go ahead. I'll be ha- as long as my voice isn't too uh, isn't ricocheting too much. Here. I, th- I think we're gonna we're gonna work with it. We're gonna make it work. We're gonna make it. We're gonna make it happen. So how okay. did you fir- how did you first hear about this building? Did you know about it when it was going up? And uh, what's the reaction been out there? All right. Well, I pass the building regularly in the mornings. I, I like to drive um, from Marine Park to Mill Basin, where I belong to a local gym. So I see it regularly. And Adam uh, brought it to my attention for the purposes of an article. Um, I belong to a site on Facebook that Adam sort of found out about me, which sort of Drew a nice following since I'm a new homeowner. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I've always been a historian buff, and I had sold a building that um, before I moved to Marine Park that was a historic brownstone in a landmark region. So whereabouts? Um, 
Uh, I'm about, it was about six blocks from Barclays Center. I was a pioneer in the 80s. Oh, wow. So you'd been there since the All right. Okay. What's that? All right. You've been down there since the 80s. That's good. So you are entrenched. Yeah, but I, I was born and raised in South Brooklyn. So moving to Marine Park. Um, it's like coming home again. Yeah. Re- it's like I came home again in my 50s. And it, it's kind of, it was a transition because it's, it's apples and oranges completely. But um, I believe there's a lot of things ahead in Marine Park. And keeping the, the topic, because I know that's important to you guys mm-hmm. uh, for your airtime, what's this is a sign of slow but will be steady changes that will continue to happen. And one of the things that Adam and I discussed in a recent interview he gave me for the press was Marine Park, from my perspective, at least proper Marine Park, has enough continuity of townhouses built in the 20s and 30s that are original tutors that it could potentially get more protection from the New York City Landmarks Commission. Mm -hmm. That takes a little bit of an involvement in the neighborhood. And having blogged recently, people started reaching out to me and saying, well, would we qualify? What's the upside? What's the downside? And I can give a whole interview on that. Well, that that takes a lot of community involvement. I mean, having something, having something, and it takes... I do real estate uh, transactions in Marine Park now. I've been very fortunate to break in early because of my involvement. But it it was primarily because of my respect for history. And the building that you're calling me about Mm -hmm. um, clearly is in a shot. It's not a visible shot from the intact portion of Marine Park that actually has maintained itself since the 20s. Mm -hmm. Now, the houses on this block... Is it, mm-hmm. is it, I mean, I don't, when you say Tudor, it might mean something different to me than it means to you, but are the, what are the houses like on this block, and are they part of that kind of historic charm that, Mar- that Marine Park yeah, has? Yes, uh, it is a little bit of a fringe, but it's still, like, if Marine Park qualified for historic landmark designation, or if at least, I know there's a lot of pride amongst the owners. I live in this section just uh, a few feet away, but on the very block, yes, there are some original homes that were built, like just during the Great Depression and right in the early 30s before World War II. Mm-hmm. They're intact. They have leaded glass windows and you know appointments that would be typical of that era. Mm-hmm. And we're not talking post-war bland 50s and 60s, you know. Marine Park is a fairly large area, and there is a variety of housing, but this particular project, for lack of a better word, um, is basically nestled pretty much within this region that I happen to feel is amongst the most desirable parts of the neighborhood. Yeah, now we did run a picture in the paper this week, because we do send our photographers out there to, to mm-hmm. document this stuff on on film, or digital film, as it were. Digital film. And we thank you as a because it brought about a lot of social media attention. Well, that's what that's what we try to do. Yeah, and so, all social media. Yeah. <laughs> so the houses that are that are that are around this is, that are around this house are obviously not as tall. They they seem to have drive like small driveways. And how would you describe those houses? What types of houses are they? It, it was a replication of the Great American Dream. You know, during well prior to World War II. I mean, it was before the GI Bill and all that, but. You know, these were mostly Tudor houses. Uh, when I say Tudor, you know, 
I don't know where you're from originally, but I can also throw out neighborhoods like parts of Forest Hills. Um, in Queens. You know, it's a, it's a slower lifestyle. Um, and the building from a height restriction standpoint clearly is baffling. I know being a residential broker of 32 years this March, I know for a fact that there's something called FAR, which is floor access ratio. Mm -hmm. And a building that is built within an area where other like-kind buildings can hit a certain floor access ratio cannot really surpass that based on Department of Building requirements, DOB. Mm -hmm. So one can only speculate, was there a payoff? You know, what, what gave this person... I mean, I know the building is technically considered commercial. When I say commercial, most lay people who are not in my business say, well, what do you mean commercial? That means stores. Now, a commercial property is five or more units. Okay. It could be okay. residential. So by definition, it can... Well, it, I, I, I looked it up for Adam <clears throat> for a prior article. It does classify itself as commercial, but that doesn't mean it has the right to be three stories higher than like-kind houses on the block. Now, are, are, the, so are these six units in it, are they all condos or are they rentals? Is it six different families living there? Is it one family renting the, the room? I think, to be honest with you, um, there's a lessening of condo development on the market right now, and a lot of that happened after the Bloomberg administration ended. Um, the, the majority of um, tax incentives, I know here in downtown Brooklyn, I'm sure you know there have been like 20 to 22 skyscrapers that went up in a period of five years. Right. Oh, yeah. 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 Can't miss it. And it's sort of distressful because I was always a historian here in this neighborhood. I was proud of that I owned that house owned by the first bishop of Brooklyn in 1888. So I'm a little bit of a uh, history nut, but um, <laughs> the surrounding areas that were not in landmark regions were the ones that were conveniently changing over for gentrification or lack of a better word, and they surpassed all the requirements. What's interesting about this particular project from my perspective as a tenured agent, is that you don't have to be landmark to be in a violation with, with if you simply break the height restriction. Right, of course. And you, normally height restriction is determined by the other surrounding properties on the very block. Right. Mm -hmm. So one can only speculate. I can't say this from a factual standpoint. But one can only speculate that there might have been a payoff of some sort or something that happened behind right. the scenes for this to just obscurely go up. Well, obviously those that. are those are strong words, and we don't know um, what yeah, what I happened. Wanna, in, yeah, we don't know what happened in this situation. Right. And I'm sure Adam terrible. Adam will be looking will be looking into it. But yeah. a I lot mean, of people have speculated about corruption. Yeah, the I building department I'm, said, I'm "Yeah, go ahead." You know, social media obviously taken the stronghold. Uh -huh. of, you know, whether it's accurate, whether it's not, it's, it's whatever anyone wants to say. You know, it's not edited, it's not published. But the majority of neighborhood people are under that impression. They, so I'm not going to say that I factually believe that that's what happened. But the, the sentiment that has come out, particularly since Adam was very successful, I mean, people have known about it, but Adam tied it together in this piece, mm -hmm. and he made it more of an awareness piece. And when I was reading comments, 
um, there was a lot of sentiment in that direction. And, you know, people speak their mind, but it is from a speculative standpoint debatable if that might have been the situation. I mean, it's really hard to break. You know, normally you'd get a stop work order. Like the city would come out and just say, whoa, 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 you just, you just have to stop. We will not allow you. And then they put, they slap, you know, some kind of penalty yeah. where the owner has to like go before a community board, you know, something. Yeah, go before, yeah, a department of and buildings. that community yeah. that I've noticed, I mean, when I first moved here to Fort Greene in downtown Brooklyn, one of the reasons why I've adjusted to a neighborhood that's like on the opposite end of the world right now from what I'm used to is that was exactly what Fort Green was like in the 80s. I mean, if someone did something illegal, they were reported by their very neighbors. <laughs> and I find that there are people now in this neighborhood that, you know, there is a, an organized effort. There's a civic council. Um, they were recently up in arms. I'm sure Adam wrote about there was a strong uh, sentiment of people wanting to build an additional floor, and then the neighborhood, like, went berserk. And they managed to get a lot of publicity mm -hmm. on a civic level, on a government level. I don't know how this particular project personally uh, was allowed to go so many stories above the surrounding community. So that, that's kind of a do you know a what the bit of a brain tickler. Do you know what the what the zoning is on the block? And I mean, it seems. Um, I can tell you because of my experience, it's usually R6 residential, R6B, two-family residential. One or two-family, um, yeah. That, that's, that's sort of the code. And are there, are there height requirements or height restrictions, I should say? Yes, that's floor access ratio. So what happens is, like, you can go to very prominent communities like Brooklyn Heights, in fact, um, where you can get certain permits. Sometimes you have to build where it's set back above the, the cornice of it, like, for instance, if it's a brownstone, so that it's not visible, because but they have landmark status. Um, that was one of the arguments I had, that there's a lot of upside in Marine Park, in my opinion. I'm not running for government. <laughs> I'm still new to the area, so I, I don't want to ruffle feathers on a level, but it's a very, you know, traditional kind of community. But from the sentiment that I got from my post, it seems like people are kind of open to that because there's a strong neighborhood pride. So the positives of landmarking would have clearly not allowed, if this were a designated historic district, and it qualifies in many respects. Mm -hmm. the intent, it goes on for blocks and blocks and blocks of these Tudor-style homes. Mm -hmm. And it's a really beautiful neighborhood. And um, basically, architecturally speaking, it's a beautiful neighborhood. It's, it's very much like parts of Forest Hills. So and, what? Um, if it were historically designated, I don't think the city would have allowed this. It, it, it could oh, not have happened. I would think that if there was, <laughs> if if it was a historic district, then it probably would have gotten a lot more, uh, a lot it more blowback from from the neighbors and yeah, and way such. before it was right, done. Right, but the height restriction issue is separate in and of itself. There are height restrictions and building code requirements that supersede. I mean, landmark means it would have had to have been built, even if it was built new. There are new constructions going up in landmark neighborhoods in all of this part of Brooklyn. Yep. 
but they have to go to extra expense, and it's usually more expensive. Oh, it's more expensive, and they have to they have to match the look of of the old exactly. of the old yeah. houses. Exactly. So in this case, that's not necessarily a legal requirement. So he didn't break any kind of specific building code by building, you know, a Fetters air conditioning building where you know you have. <laughs> You know, where it's clearly apparent that it was built like this year. That's, uh-huh. that's actually allowable under the circun- circumstances of right now in the neighborhood. But the height restriction is debatably worthy of scrutinizing. Yeah, it, it, well, it needs it, a further look. It's something that, you know, the, the local paper is going to look at. And uh, we're going to look at the zoning and we're going to see what, what happened here. And we're going to try and we're going to try to find out. Right. Who's representative of this community in a political capacity that could have helped avoid it? I mean, there's 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 some things you can do here as journalists. Um, <laughs> I hope I'm not coming on too you know strongly about it. But well, clearly, clearly you care about the neighborhood and you want to keep it the way it is, and that's what a lot of the people that Adam talked to basically said. There was one neighbor. Who said, "Look, we don't want this to turn into Sheep's Head Bay." Now, is Sheep's Head Bay really that bad? <laughs> it's very funny because I grew up in South Brooklyn, so I—I I mean, I came here in my twenties in downtown Brooklyn when everyone thought I was a complete nut job. But I had a deep, deep, deep. I grew up uh, across the street from Trump Village, uh-huh. which was built by no other than the president's father. And my father was a union man, so we lived in Mitchell-Lama housing, which is not a common term you hear today. Yep. And it was mostly middle class, and it was South Brooklyn, and it took like an hour to get to the city. But after I graduated college, I was very fortunate to buy a brownstone in my late 20s, mostly because I Smart move. Yeah. Very. Well, I I had a little help from the seller. (laughs) (laughs) Not from family. I wasn't one of those. At the time, they were very affordable. Yep. But, um, you know, it's funny that you say Sheep's at Bay because there are certain – well, Sheep's at Bay is a bit of a hodgepodge. It's, it's a neighborhood that I'm very fond of because I remember in my teens and 20s, it was a big dating spot for my group. Mm-hmm. But uh, those of us who went down to high school around there. But um, it's weird. I've kind of come back to my old roots. But Marine Park is very close to that area, but it is so intact that if you went back into a time wave and a time clock, and you were in 1935, it would have looked, except for the cars, exactly the way it looks now. And we, I think and we that, did that recently in another Adam right. story where um, we featured some archival photos of Marine Park, and to your point, Jerry, it didn't look any different except for the dirt roads and the cars on them. Right. Ja- yeah, yeah, Jerry yeah. was sharing yeah, a I lot of this. To, I think that was through, it was through a common uh, Facebook site uh, Adam and I both subscribed to that we got to meet, and I was, like, obsessed with posting old – there's one house in the Ring Park called the Lot House, L-O-T-T. Sure, mm-hmm. yeah, of course. Off the subway, which is still a bus ride away. Um, it actually has on the King's Highway subway stop a designated uh, inscription that this is the stop to get off to, to visit the lot house. And it's like two, three blocks away from where I live, and it's literally something like out of the 1700s. Yep. And it's preserved, and I think it's moving towards becoming a full-fledged museum. Yep. It's like the Wyckoff House in Leopards or 
uh, in Weeksville. They have housing that freed um, uh, underground railroad slaves yep. from the community. The lot house is in that capacity. And it's really a shame because that's a walking distance from the house that we're discussing right now. Jer- Jerry, so uh, it's, it's, you know, visual... Uh, aesthetic aside, you know, the, the dealings behind how it was constructed aside, what is a, a home like this, you know, larger than any other in the neighborhood? How does that affect property value there? A lot of people own homes in Marine Park. Um, you know, as much as they hate it, is this going to make their property value? It might hurt. It, this is my feeling because I've, I've experienced full-fledged gentrification being a downtown Brooklyn Heights since 1989. Uh, gentrification doesn't have to mean, at least it's a word that's commonly used, and often it has a derogatory connotation. Uh, it has racial connotation. But in Marine Park, the demographics of gentrification would be if people get so outpriced by um, what's going on in the part of Brooklyn where I work and where you're based out of, um, People are going to continue to move further south in Brooklyn. That's a trend that I'm tracking right now in my practice. And it's only a matter of time because Brooklyn has become the land of the wealthy. I mean, we're talking about Bedford-Stuyvesant having $2 million sales. I know of one that has close to $3 million of a sale about to go through. Mm, And we're talking Bedford-Stuyvesant. I'm 56, and that's like completely, from my perspective when I was a child, unheard of. So I'm not predicting that will happen in Marine Park, but I certainly am a product myself of, of someone who downsized. We sure. had a brownstone. We owned it for 31 years. The kids went to college. We felt financially that it was draining at this point. And we sold. We sold out, and we picked a nice, charming two-family. Uh, we owned a two-family here, so we were able to qualify for a certain tax exchange benefit. Mm-hmm. Another topic for another time. Yeah. Is my background. <laughs> and we chose Marine Park because it was still under a million dollars, and my wife and I didn't want to have a mortgage. Mm. So you're going to find either older yuppies or younger people um, who are basically trying to be, you know, get relief. I know a lot of young people who are starting to look in Queens already. And um, I, I'm, I'm in the housing business. So to answer your question, so you don't think I drifted too far off. When that population becomes more and more familiar with this part of Brooklyn, and I believe it, it potentially can happen, having a subway go directly there would only make it quicker, but that might be beneficial because people like the feeling there. But it will eventually happen because they're getting pushed out of every other neighborhood. So when they're ready to buy, the consumers of today who are, who are younger than me, uh, you know, people in their 30s, 40s, people, they're going to be less inclined to making a better offer on a block that has that structure versus a block like mine that doesn't have any lots available to do that to. So to answer your question earlier, and I hope I stayed on track so that at least you follow where I'm going, a building like that can potentially, especially as people who have been used to having a little more of a um, lifestyle where they wanted to live like in communities such as the one I moved from. They're going to want to have more of an opportunity to live on an intact block. Sure. If that trend occurred, 
than one that would have a hodgepodge of housing where you have this mini skyscraper and then you have a Tudor house. Like, it can hurt the person who has that house next to this property. Right, it can hurt the neighbors. Trying to match the property value that other blocks in Marine Park can achieve. So I hope I answered your question. No, I think you did. I mean, I think, you know... Yeah, I mean, here, when Barclays Center was breaking ground, I remember selling in the $2 million range. And a lot of people were like, you know, Jerry, is this going to really hurt me? And I'm a realtor, and I tried to think of, honestly, why it wouldn't. And what I predicted, I'm very proud to say, actually occurred, because property values went into the 3 and $4 million now in Fort Greene, yep. where they were $2 million and, and lower before Barclays and all the big stuff. The problem is the quality of life here downtown has changed so that I kind of look forward to getting home at night now. And a lot of my colleagues were scratching their heads. Wow, Jerry Minsky left downtown Brooklyn for Marine Park. But A, I'm older than a lot of people in the real estate business. Um, I don't know why, but I lasted this long. <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's mostly filled with younger people. And it's, they're not quite ready for the experience of Marine Park as I am with my wife. But the young people who do live in Marine Park, and they were raised there, um, they tend to buy their own parents' homes. I certainly by no means plan to make a living there as I did here. I mean, they don't they don't run out of that neighborhood very quickly. Right. But on the occasion, someone like Jerry Minsky's in the market and their house happens to be for sale, I'm less likely with my wife to wanting to make the offer that I made on my block, which is a really intact block in the mm-hmm. park, if I had that building next door to me. But let me ask you this, Jerry. How did that house get built? There has to be a reason. There has to be a demand for something like that, Marine oh, well, Park. That, 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 the demand part, I can tell you. I don't know how, in terms of how they, you know, were able to do what they actually did to cause the kind of reaction. Right. That Let, let's speak. Let's speak to the I'm market conditions. I'm sorry. Let's speak to the market conditions. Like, so obviously, the conditions so are such as that there's a housing shortage, and in spite of what everyone thinks, there's a lot of saturation, like in downtown Brooklyn, but. There was a little bubble that occurred, and that happened back in 15. I don't think Marine Park particularly felt it as much because there's not a lot of movement there. But neighborhoods like Bay Ridge did, mm-hmm. and that's a South Brooklyn community. You can't find a house in Bay Ridge now for under a million dollars. That's in, like in a row house. Yep. Um, and there was a huge housing splurge of foreign investors that happened in the year 2015. Primarily Asian investors Mm. um, who, Brooklyn went on the radar in a big way. And I remember pricing a house in Bay Ridge back in 15. It was a resale. I sold it to them earlier in the 90s, and they needed to move. And um, it went up in 15, and I sold them the house for maybe 600. Mm -hmm. They made 1.75 million on the house. Wow. And not to mention, I priced it at eight ninety five. Wow. And one woman walked in, she was a foreign woman. I had an open house with like a hundred people. And she called me that night. She was a foreign woman and she said, Give them one million seventy five cash. Wow. And that and that was Bay Ridge. No. And that happened in two thousand and fifteen. Right, but what Bay Ridge Bay Ridge has a train. How does how does this uh, how does this transpire well, in Marine Park? That's where Marine Park is not going to move in that level of pace, but 
remember, Bayridge is now over a million dollars a house. Yep. So you have to pay a mansion tax in order to buy a house. Once the property goes over a million dollars, you have to pay the government, in addition to your normal closing costs, a mansion tax, which if it's a million, is an, is an additional closing cost of 10000 mm. The prices of these properties have been up since the bubble because a lot of sellers refuse to believe that they can't get it anymore. So there are fewer houses on the market. If something comes up in Marine Park that's really tasteful, I mean, we bought a really nice house. I mean, it was renovated. It's far less of a of a financial woe than my brownstone, which I never quite could finish. <laughs> um, you know, it was like the Royal Tenenbaums for a while there. <laughs> and, you know, I have two kids that I raised here who are now in college. So my wife and I are finally living in a condition we really prefer. Uh, we even have a rental apartment there that we actually use mostly for when our son's in from college. And uh, because it is a smaller home. But, um, People who can't afford over a million dollars in Bay Ridge are going to start thinking about taking the train to the bus. It's a six to seven minute bus ride from the subway. Hmm. If it had a subway, it would have already gone to that level. Right. Um, I told Adam in, a, in a two articles prior, he's been very generous to me, that in the 30s, in the Nazi Olympics, Marine Park was the only American architect the, believe it or not, in the 30s, architecture was an Olympic venue. Yeah, I remember the story mm-hmm. as the editor. And <laughs> I read about it as I got more interested in my new neighborhood, and I was shocked. And Hitler was giving out, whoever, during his Olympics, the awards. And of the five awards, one was a civil silver medalist. And the silver medalist was the only non-German winner. <laughs> and... Hitler was like furious, and it was because he helped design Marine Park. Well, Robert Moses, who was the bigwig at the time under Mayor LaGuardia, yep, he, he was the man behind the mayor who basically ran the city for the mayor. And he the was the power broker, they called him. The power broker. The yes, see how I did that? Yes. I read it. It's a, it's a Bible for anyone in real estate. It's yep. a very good book. He promised after those Olympics to extend the two and five train from the Flatbush Avenue Brooklyn College Junction to go into the Marine Park to make a Bay Region. Yep. And then in an interesting political turnaround, he decided to put the money into the Marine Park Bridge instead. He was going to build a stadium of some 500,000 spectators, an Olympic-sized pool, Marine Park is actually larger than Prospect Park. Yep, yep. Mm. So you have big mouths like me selling it up. Eventually, it's going to hit. <laughs> but <laughs> the one thing, and I do have to admit, that's really been a change for me dramatically is I'm really not used to having to take the bus to go on the subway. It's, it's a little bit of a – my kids walk it because, you know, they're 19 and, and 8 and 17. Right. But I'm 56, and I'm not going to walk it in 20-degree weather. But um, I can see things. Look, there, there are infrastructural changes going on all the time. I mean, there's this whole talk about a waterfront trolley going from Queens to Sunset Park soon. The BQX. I mean, mm-hmm. Is that what it is? Yeah, that's yeah. what it's called, yes. You can read about it in the right. Brooklyn paper. In the so paper. We're, we're talking about a six-minute commute the King's Highway subway stop and where the B100 or the B2 lets you off in Marine Park proper. 
you don't know what's ahead of us. And honestly, if the cost of housing continues, um, and people don't want to live perhaps in Sheepshead Bay or Canarsie or other areas nearby or flatlands, Marine Park is a prime neighborhood to attract people of pretty tasteful value. The only thing I will say is that people don't give up their homes very easily there. People but, are born there and they die there. They, they like I said, I don't, I, I've had some very generous neighbors already live with me. I'm very proud of that because I'm le- there are less than a quarter of a year. Uh, but I have a certain personality and I'm on a very hot block for that area. And uh, they sense my genuinity and there is a genuinity. I mean, I know I'm a business person, but I love history. I don't think I would have chosen some of the surrounding communities, even though I wanted to buy a house without a mortgage, um, which is why I had a limitation and I didn't want to go over a million. Right. I have six years of college tuition to pay for. I have a lot of taxes because of the sale that I made. You know, it was a dramatically good sale for what I paid, but contrary, <laughs> I'm to, what sure. think, contrary to what people think, it's not as not as lucrative as it seems. Well, so, so, um, and I really, really want to emphasize. All right, when so let's said and done. It's not, you know, if you have obligations. If I wanted to live on a beach like like Jimmy Buffett, just dropped everything in my life. It might have been a different story. But um, what I'm getting at is Marine Park is one of the few neighborhoods left, I believe, and not just in Brooklyn, but in the New York City area, that is as aesthetically beautiful as it is, and it's still. In most cases, there are a few million-dollar homes like on Marine Parkway, mm-hmm. but for the most, those are the detached homes. But I have like a row house that's for Marine Park, and it happens to be an attractive one. And every house on my block has the same Spanish-style roofs. Yep, yep. Has the leaded glass windows. It's a beautiful, quaint community, and this person, you know, to some degree, really had a lot of. Uh, you know, he had, he had a lot of guts. A lot of chutzpah to come yeah. in with that, you know, so, monstrosity. So I got to get back to the monstrosity, though. So who's moving in? Who's going to move into that? Is this... Is this uh... oh, well, it's probably going to be renters. I don't think it's going to be a condo. If I'm wrong, you know, touche. So it's going to... But it's going to be renters. But who are those renters? Like, who... Like you're saying that well, people I, come to I Marine Park a for... A, a I've certain... had a few rentals already in Marine Park. One was a woman from Bergen Beach, which is even further out. Yep. But she was she was a lifelong resident of Marine Park, and she's, she's about my age, and she's divorced, and she's living with her elderly mother. Mm-hmm. And I rented an apartment on my very block, which was a duplex, for $2,600. Normally, that would be the owner's part of the house. Right. Mm. But the owner is an elderly man, so he took the lower level with the garage, of course. And she and her mother... Rented the duplex for twenty six hundred. Um, we turned down several applications prior to hers, but amongst them were young people from the community who's living in houses, interestingly enough, that have been selling, hmm. and they're getting displaced. Okay, so, so you're talking store- about. People that live in in Marine Park or somewhere in the surrounding area, Southern Brooklynites, right. just looking for another right. place I had in Southern Brooklyn. From Basin. I had one woman in tears because she wanted it so bad. She lived in Marine Park proper, but I had a very strict landlord, and I practiced very, very careful real estate. You know, rentals are harder than sales. Right, right. You make less money, but you have to maintain, especially if it's your own block. God, I'm a newcomer. I certainly don't want to 
messed up on that. So you you have to let the landlord ultimately make the decision. I mean, as long as it's within, if it's within the arm of the law and it's not discriminatory, and under no circumstances were this. It was just we vetted the best client. And this in the case of this transaction, it happened to be a middle-aged divorced woman with an older mother. All right. Uh, but their finances were extraordinary. And they were living at a level financially that you can't really find anywhere else in the city or even this part. I mean, forget about it, even Brooklyn. Right. Uh, and I'm talking neighborhoods, not necessarily like here. I'm saying even like Kensington, Ocean Parkway. Most properties that would have been available as this duplex in this impact building would have easily been $1,000 more a month, which would have been like 12000 more a year. Uh, but this was a woman who worked for a local architect in the area. She grew up in the area. She left Bergen Beach because she felt it was too small uh, for her and her mother. And she's very close to her elderly mother, who's fortunately in good enough health to be like her roommate. There you go. And um, amongst the other uh, applicants, I noticed were a primarily a large assortment of young couples with children. Um, All from southern Brooklyn, you, you nearby, were saying? Yeah. To answer your question, they, 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 they live nearby, not necessarily in Marine Park, but they, they would love the opportunity to live in Marine Park. A lot of them live in areas like maybe Garrison Beach or uh, maybe some part of remote Sheepshead Bay or, you know, things like that. Uh, I knew one couple were from the Kings Highway area, Mill Basin area. So, so, uh, so I would think it attracts mostly surrounding communities. I noticed more people are doing Airbnb there now. Uh-oh. Uh. And that says a lot because, you know, you get someone from Sweden who has to take the bus to the train. You better kind of explain it before they book you on Airbnb. Yeah, or, <laughs> or if they don't care and they'll stay there anyway, it, it speaks well, volumes, too. Well, people really like it. They love it. They love There's the salt but, marsh right where my home is, and we're just around the corner from the park. This salt marsh is awesome. I went there just as we moved in when the weather was still hot and uh, this past Labor Day, and I went with my daughter who loves photography. Mm -hmm. I mean, I saw bird specimens that I see when I go out to my weekend home on the North Fork. Jerry, I have a, so it sounds like, you know, based on your experience as far as filling other rentals or homes in the neighborhood, it's, it's, it's locals or maybe former locals or, or nearby locals who want to get in, who want to move into Marine Park, maybe for the same reasons that you did. And yes. so what, you know, how do, how do homeowners there, developers there, property owners, you know, how do they accommodate these people? What do they build? What should well, they be building the, instead of these monstrosities? Of development opportunity unless you're pushing towards Flatbush Avenue, because the intact portion of Marine Park have Main Street, uh, Kimball Street, Ryder Street, and then you get into the East 30s, because the East 50s, I don't know where the East 40s are, I don't even think they exist. Once you cross <laughs> Flatbush, you're more like in the Mill Basin area. Yeah. But on our side of Flatbush Avenue, going towards the actual Marine Park, which is then after that is Avenue U, and then across the street from Avenue U is where the salt marshes are. And um, that's the really desirable part of the area. Um, so people tend to want that part of the area more than anything. Developers don't really have much to develop in that. That's why Marine Park 
to some degree might have the option at some point. Uh, I'm not going to get on the bandwagon, but you know, I'll certainly go to meetings if they consider it um, uh, of becoming historically designated. Sure. So, what do you think? The but this guy picked a lot that just happened to have been available. Well, I saw what the house was beforehand, and it wasn't it wasn't one of these older houses. It looked like a house that was probably built in the 40s or 50s. It looked like a uh, like a high ranch with a with a garage. It yeah, didn't, so he did a teardown. Yeah, he did. It, it didn't. It wasn't like a pure Tudor 30s house. Yeah, it didn't look like the houses that were that were that that surround it. You know, and you when I read the blog. You know, I, I know the neighborhood well because I grew up in South Brooklyn, but, you know, I am new to the neighborhood, so I don't want to sound like I'm a historian by avocation. Mm -hmm. uh, but basically, a number of people wrote that they stare at it from their homes, and they gave the impression that they were living in some of the nicer homes. Mm. So he must have taken advantage of, you know, a, a, a run, an older home, a younger home that has less historic value. I have yet to seen anyone remove a tutor to build something like that. Like, that is probably not going to happen. But the controversy here is that aesthetically, he went completely out of the realm of the neighborhood. And from a height restriction, I would say that's the biggest infraction that he did. I mean, at least from my perception of even here in downtown Brooklyn, with all those skyscrapers, you have to get a lot of approvals to yeah. build beyond the certain height restriction. You just can't do it. I'm looking at and Google I now. I'm looking at Google now. I'm going right down Ryder Street, and it reminds me of, like, the opening of All in the Family, or maybe the closing of All in the Family. Remember the houses? And, yeah, that's basically what it. That's basically what it looks like. But what would it take, or how <laughs> How do you funny. think the... How do you think the, um, the, the, the people that live there would... would would ex would they accept uh, turning it into a a, um, a a landmark neighborhood? Because you know, I think. Well, that's a big question. It really that's depends on the neighborhood. I live on a neighborhood in, in Staten Island, where you know, uh, along a hillside district, that like the Are people you in there. The historic area. I'm just outside the historic, the St. Paul's historic district, and right. that area, like it, you know, it was a fight to get that area. Uh, you know, designated. Made designated historic because some people want it. Yes, they want to save the community, but other people don't because they don't want because they know once it becomes a historic district, if they got to put, you know, a new stoop on their house, they got to go well, through. That's what I was. I was just going to get at that. Yeah, um, I don't think the community has yet to consider it. I threw it out in Adam's last article, and a lot of people read it. I didn't get much rejection. If anything, people's sentiments were along the line. It's not necessarily a landmarking about just the hideousness of the building that was built. But, you know, people started really respectfully asking questions, and they were directing them to me. Well, I think a building and like this can be that lightning rod. It can be that thing that's going to right. get people to and say, wait a second. Because it'll be grandfathered. It'll be, it was done before landmarks. Like here in Fort Greene, which is a very historic community. Mm -hmm. And now that it's changed 100,000% from when I bought um, you know, we have buildings where presidents slept over people's homes. You know, it was a really hoi polloi. Yep. But anyone who, like, did windows over with Marvin windows before, I think we landmarked here in 1973. So back then, there were a lot of lower middle class people who were able to apply for grants 
and they were able to, you know, they were able to get certain subsidies because they became historic. Nowadays, you have people of Hollywood stature living here because <laughs> the Steiner Film Studios is under the Navy Yard. I've sold homes to almost every HBO big name you could imagine, and you know they're all exposed to this neighborhood because they film here now. Yeah, and I mean Julia Roberts films here now, and it's bigger than the Steiner uh, than Universal Studios, believe it or not. Steiner's a big, so, uh, big deal. Uh, and it's big not deal. Silver Cup Studios like in Queens. It's, it's, it's the place. Oh, forget about now. Silver Cup. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I remember during the Great Recession, we very temporarily decided to live in all five of our floors. Of course, I was in my 30s and a, and a complete idiot. <laughs> and um, then the recession hit, and I said to my wife, honey, we, got, we had a two family. I said, we can't do this anymore. Like, we can't just let a nanny live on the first floor. <laughs> we, we're not that rich, and the market's collapsing. You're a school teacher, and my phones are not ringing, and the banks are not lending. So I ended up getting Murray from Flight of the Concords as my tenant. Murray! Oh. Do you remember that? Yeah, that yeah. hit show on HBO? Yeah. Well, he, his wife, and their son, Finn, became my tenant. And the reason is because my brownstone was about seven, eight blocks away from the Steiner Film Studios. So um, you just need something to draw people. And look, you know, it, it eventually has to work its way down where I am. I mean, I realize certain inconveniences about transportation, but as far as landmarks are concerned, before 1973, if anyone changed windows with aluminum windows, you know, now you have to do the wooden sashes. And I had a 31-windowed brownstone. I had a corner brownstone here. And mm-hmm. I had a brilliant window replacement guy from Dumbo who allowed, we were able to do um, outer uh, replacements because they're temporary, not permanent. And that was a loophole because there was no way I could have afforded 31 historic windows. Right. I just forget, I would have had to sacrifice sending my kids to college. It just wouldn't happen. So what well, I'll tell you, I like those windows. Those are nice windows. <laughs> the well, kids are cool, but those windows are gorgeous. The windows are gorgeous, and when I show homes with them, it, they really reflect what they would have looked like in the 1800s. Yeah. But getting back to this building, he's going to be allowed to be there now because he's grandfathered in. So if the community moves in the direction of some kind of designation, uh-huh. Some owners, like you mentioned in Staten Island, might be resistant because they're a little more upper middle class than the people who lived in Fort Greene in 73. In 73, this neighborhood was pretty much in shambles. So you had a few hippies and people like that. It happened in Park Slope. It happened in surrounding communities, Borum Hill. And they were able to apply for grants when they did work. Yep. But when the income brackets go up, and the income brackets are not too shabby in Marine Park. It's a lot of, you know, blue-collar, retired teachers, firemen, policemen. They simply wouldn't qualify for grants at their level. And they're living on pensions now, and some of them are in much higher level capacities. You know, lawyers, they're doctors, you know, I'm in business. Um, so you'd have to do the work according to the restrictions. And right. yes. Some people would be like, the heck with that. And I sold a home in Mill Basin since I've moved there, and I had to find only a cash buyer because this man basically never applied for any permit to do anything. 
and he and his brother were fighting over an estate that their parents left them. And one brother and his wife lived in the house. The other one lived out uh, in Long Island. And I first had an open house. It was priced really well. I had 100 people around the corner. It was like the first week that I moved in. So I needed a distraction because I needed time just to adjust the fact that I moved to the other end of the planet. So I, I just did my downtown Brooklyn thing, but I did it over there. Yeah. And it was priced well to begin with because there were reasons it had to be. There was some pre-existing issues from Hurricane Sandy and stuff. Yep. But the brothers were at each other's throats. They had to sell. And it finally came down to I didn't have to do that open house. It was a complete waste of time because 90% of the people who wanted it would have had to have a mortgage. And they couldn't. If you do any, any work illegally, and if, let's say you, in this case, it's not a historic area, but even though it wasn't a, in a historic area, the bank wouldn't give them a mortgage. Of course so not. I ended yeah. up having to sell it to an investor. Likewise, if you live in a landmark area and you have a landmark violation, I assure you, I absolutely assure you, being a specialist in selling landmarks for most of my career, that you would have to work that out with the Department of Buildings before title will transfer to a right, buyer. Right, right, right. So some that people in Marine Park have done work, yeah. even though they've kept the quality of their homes up, like they would do a Florida room above a garage. They never applied for permission. Right. And even and that was a nice addition to the home. It makes it very difficult to sell. So well. You have, to, you have to disclose to the buyer before you get into a contract that this was not done with a permit, unless you're a fool and you want to waste your time. Right. There are ways of getting around it legally. It's just, it's disclosure. And a lot of the work that was done might not have had disclosure, and now they're going to pay for it. But that just goes to show you that this might be things that are going to change in the years to come. So... Younger, hipper—you know—people start getting pushed. So, do you? But do you think these? Do you think these older residents in in uh, in Marine Park, uh, you know, who have lived in these houses for a really long time and who have, you know, now they see that oh, the the value of their houses has gone up considerably over all these years. Are they gonna? Mm -hmm. Are they gonna want to take the risk of their property values being a little bit lower, possibly, because? You know, at this point in time, no. I'm I'm not sure. You know what it is? You're answering you're asking me a human nature question. It's not a it's not exclusive to Marine Park. No one wants to lose value on their home. I don't care if you're living in Chernobyl. <laughs> so, but how would <laughs> but they? Comes, so that so it comes it comes to my question. How would, do you think you'd get the backing or the the residents well, would they be willing to to make that move? It's the same thing like when you buy into a co-op in a very luxurious. And um, you have some old-timers that were there from the 60s who bought the thing for $20,000. And then on the same floor, you have someone who paid $2.3 million. <laughs> and I assure you, that's one of the reasons people always are at each other's throats in these co-ops, because you have this diversification of population. So you're going to have a few old-timers who have a few years left and might just want to pass it down to their grandchild, which is what has been happening in Marine Park. But Ooh. then you're going to have sellers like mine who didn't have children, and we're very happy to have two downtown Brooklyners 
who sold a brownstone as their buyer. Mm-hmm. Well, what and would it... They, they, they did a fine job on their house, and they didn't have anything that my lawyer detected was a violation. All right, well, we gotta, we gotta, we got to let you go. We've been talking a long time about this. No, well, I'm thinking about how many homes you could have sold <laughs> in the time you spent explaining this so expertly to us. But it, it's well. I appreciate that much. I wish you'd tell my manager that. <laughs> <laughs> well, he could listen to the show, or she could listen to the show. So when does the show get aired? Well, we're live we're right now. Live. If you go to brooklynpaper.com, you can hear it. But don't do that because there'll be an echo. And uh, I'll, be, I'll be done talking. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's going to be live. Uh, I mean, it'll be recorded. Uh, it'll, it'll just be playing. It plays at all times on brooklynpaper.com. And then, of course, it'll be on iTunes at the end of the day, which is part of the what oh, I like well, to say at the end of the show anyway. Yeah. With my wife. There you go. Well, you... I, I want to thank all of you. Um, I know I did the majority of talking, and I, I feel very honored and privileged that you felt that I was worthy of doing that. And... Um, I have to say, this is my new community, and I want to be a responsible owner. There he I is. am interested in seeing my property value higher. And um, I'm sure, but I'm, I'm, I'm a middle-aged man now. I'm not doing the Fort Green thing in the 20s that I did already. You know, I've been there. Um, I don't have that same appetite and zealousness to see this go. I'm not greedy to the extent where I want to see a repeat. Um, like if you told me Apple Computers was going to be in Fort Green, I would have choked it when I bought it when I was 28. Of course, <laughs> when I was 28, there was no such thing. But, you know, we're getting primary tenants now here. I don't necessarily want to go through that again either. Mm-hmm. There's a certain comfort I have going home at night when I can hear the birds in the morning and smell the salt air in the summer and still live in, a, in an aesthetic community. I've come to You're still in Brooklyn age, when that's happening, Jerry? People <laughs> think I'm nuts that this is my new neighborhood, and I'm going to learn to, to deal with the things that I like about it. The commute, I like a little less, but, you know, I don't think I'm going to be the first to do this. No, I, I doubt it. Well, there and he I is. I doubt the prices of Brooklyn and New York City are going to go lower. Jerry Minsky, Marine Parker. I mean, that's basically it. Concerned citizen and expert broker. (laughs) And listen, thank God it's not Sheepshead Bay. But look, (laughs) I want to thank you for coming on. It was a pleasure having you on. We'll talk to you again about this, and we're going to keep on top of it. We're going to see Adam, I'm sure, is going to see all. He's going to learn all about zoning, and he's going to learn all about height requirements. The landmarking process. And he's going to learn about curb cuts and all those. Adam knows how shy I am. He's always going to be able to call. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jay. Thanks for coming thank on. Thank you, Jerry. All right. Thank you for having me. All right. Take Cheers. care. Bye-bye. That was Jerry Minsky. I tell you. Marine Douglas Parker. Elliman. Well, That was incredible. I mean, he knew a lot about what was going on. Well, he, on. Could, he could certainly talk. Well, I think all realtors can. He can certainly. Well, there's, you know, ultimately, they're salesmen. Well, they're salesmen, and, mm-hmm. and awkward silences are as uh, noticeable on the radio as they are when you're showing a home. Potential sponsor, though. Thanks. thanks. <laughs> You're going to call them? I might, yeah. Why yeah, not? Yeah, you should call up Jerry C. If you okay. how's, um, how's your deal with uh, Zip Recruiter going? Oh, they, they're calling me back one of these days, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> we should work on that. Thank you. Adam, uh, what's next for you on this? Are you going to look into the possibility of, uh, 
of landmarking in Marine Park. I think that's, I think that's, that's yeah, the next two articles planning is one, uh, the possibility of landmarking, but I'd like to see, you know, a few people have mentioned it. Uh, I, as far as I know, there's not a huge movement to do that. I think it's going to be tough. Tough sell. Right. It's a tough sell. Well, that's the thing. People love their neighborhoods. They want to make sure that it stays the same, but they don't want to risk. They think there's a huge risk in in actually landmarking it. And who's to say? Like, you know what these brownstones go for in Brooklyn Heights and in Fort Greene, like he was talking about. But what would have happened if they knocked all those things down and they became all apartments? How much would those apartments be worth? Right. I don't know. Who's I mean, you, you can't say. I mean, I mean, but you still have the beautiful. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, Brooklyn Heights is my favorite neighborhood in the city. And I would give anything to live there, but because of the aesthetics of it, because of how beautiful it is. Right. So the, the other thing we'll be looking into is the buildings department said they allowed it to be a six-family residence. It was residential apartment buildings. That's uh-huh. what it's zoned as now. So we're going to look into you know why they allowed that to happen, and and also uh, we'll be looking at the z- exact zoning areas and who's inside. Zoning laws in you know areas. the first rule of, of I'm not sure anyone's inside right now. Well, it'd be interesting to find out if this is a if this is a, a shift in demographics in the in the in mm-hmm. the neighborhood stuff like that. You know, some people have talked about that. Uh, it's a it's a possibility. Right. Uh, you know, and uh, you know, it's um, Marine Park. Had, like I said, it's always been very um, blue collar, and uh, we'll see. You know, if if that continues the way Jerry was talking about it. It could continue, or it could it could go a it could go a different way. And everything in Brooklyn, the price has gone up exponentially all these years. And Marine Park is uh, is no different, even without the the subway access that he talked about and stuff like that. So right. it's uh, it's going to be very interesting, and I'm sure you're going to be on top of it to see how it all plays out. Yep. All right. Is that it? Very very interesting. Yeah. I, I listen. I learned so much about Southern Brooklyn today. I'm a North Brooklyn editor. Um, but I, I feel like I took a trip around the world. It was very fascinating. Boy, the way Glenn Miller played. <laughs> the last thing I'll say mm-hmm. we didn't mention was parking Uh-oh. is Those the other major the concern. What's the major? Why, how is, why is parking a concern? Because if you build a six-family residence and some of those people drive. Well, the thing about Marine Park is you probably need a car. Right. The people there, I would say the vast majority own cars. It's very right. it's more suburban. People are already complaining about parking. Oh, people you start are adding multifamily. I, I, I mentioned a, a key word there was curb cut. Did you right. hear me say that? Yeah. Okay, that's a very interesting concept. I wrote it down. Okay, good work. <laughs> See, that's why he's good. He's this right. guy's going to win me a Pulitzer. From the word curb cut to God's ears. I hope so. Yes. I hope so. Listen, I want to thank our guests on Brooklyn Paper Radio today. I want to thank Jerry Minsky, who spoke a lot and a lot and a lot about Marine Park. Lifelong Brooklynite, though. I, I want to, th- yeah, it was great. Love I want to thank Tony Rotuno for coming back again and helping out as he as he likes to do. I look forward We're to sticking a call. around. Yeah, I know. What do I do? Do I cut the music? No, no. Kill it. It was great talking to everybody today, and we will see you next week. Adam, will we Johnny, like? Jimmy. All no, right. I'm away. We'll You're see you away. in two weeks yeah. on Brooklyn Paper Radio. Bye. Bye for now. Bye. Brooklyn Paper Radio. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Gary, I'm sorry. The show, the show ended in the middle of the call. What was your comment? I can't hear you.
you're a, you can't, I can't even, I'll call you back later. Goodbye.